Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Onward and Upward podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Ben, once more, as well as our special guest, Rob Schwab. Great having you with us. And uh, yeah, just as a reminder who we are, Onward and Upward podcast, uh, our hope is that we would encourage you to move onward in your daily walk um, with the Lord, with each other, with your family, your friends, people that you come in contact with, loving on them, um, sharing your life with them, as well as to move upward in your faith with God and your relationship with God and um, yeah, to grow closer to Him. So Philippians 3, 12 through 16, Ben, yeah, you want to share that? I'm going to read that. Uh, we always like to to get this stuck in our head, right? Scripture's mm. good. So Exactly. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, mm. forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Yeah, right on. And uh, as usual, we want to start with some, some levity. So I have a few, uh, I have one, one statement. Um, I came across a, an article co- called Shower Thoughts, epiphanies that you have while in the shower, as, oh. you, as you will. And so uh, here's the first one that, I don't know, made me, made me giggle a little bit. Um, whoever named waterfalls was some lazy person. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like when I read it the first time, I'm like, Okay, and then I think about it a few more times. I'm like, wow, somebody oh, came funny. along and went, the water's falling, <laughs> falling. Right, so simple, but how often? I've never thought of that before, but no, it's good. Uh, some lazy person. Uh, a question for you, okay? <clears throat> um, is almost infinite close to infinite? Is almost infinite? close to infinite it's definitely contradictory well right like you can't be almost an infinite but also could you be infinitely close probably not (laughs) i think i think it's got to be in its own category right right can't almost be yeah so infinite is like untouchable right so can you be almost infinite i don't think so is that close yeah no because it's still finite but what if you're infinitely close so like it's just always right behind uh, I guess I've never heard anyone say infinitely close. No. Infinitely close. <laughs> Somebody was spending too much time in the shower. Right. Yeah, I was like, it's too long of a shower yeah. at that point. <laughs> I run out of <laughs> hot water, I think. Yeah. Okay, here's a simple question. What, how long is the average shower? For who? <laughs> For you. That's, good. That's a good question. For, you. For me, I, I... Are you a I warm average, water guy? I average 10 to 15. Are you a cold water? No, I'm, I'm warm. Warm. I don't do hot, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless same. I have a fever, then I I don't know why I like it hot then. <laughs> <laughs> Only when you have a fever. Yeah, because I'm shaking. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. I haven't it's heard a, that one before. It's a soothing thing. Yeah, I've yeah, done it before. Right on. Yeah. But then you get out of the shower and you're just drained. Like, yeah. Like soaked all your energy out. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a cold shower person. What? Oh yeah. Like no hot at all. Uh, or it's warm. It's like warm, lukewarm maybe at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it it's it's cold. That's probably why you have hair. I've it's heard possible. hot water burns oh, yeah. the follicles. <laughs> <laughs> so. I haven't thought about that before. Some, some. I uh, have such a good head of hair because I shower cold. Yeah, I think it preserves <laughs> the life. It's like a refrigerator for your follicles. <laughs> That's you awesome. Yeah. 
I'm going to take that one with me, man. That's a nugget of truth. I'm never going to forget. I bet it's not true, but... Uh, no, nope. we'll you just, said we'll it. You said it. Yeah, because no, you said I have it. a master's yeah, degree. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, last epiphany for you. Um, is tomato soup just a, a hot tomato smoothie? Yes, sir. Yep. Especially Why if you just then? add milk to it. Because some, some tomato soup, yeah, it's, just, it's basically tomato concentrate. Blended up with milk. Yeah, but how do you drink a smoothie? You don't drink a smoothie with a spoon. Oh, like you don't. You, like you don't eat not a normally. smoothie. You drink a smoothie. Yeah. Do you drink tomato soup? Like this for me. This yeah. is where. But here's the like, deal. There's a line there, isn't but there? But Campbell's soup. They. I don't know if they still sell it, but they sold this microwavable, uh-uh. drinkable soup. Yeah. Uh-uh. Oh yeah yeah. Absolutely. Like a tomato juice. No no no. It was tomato soup, and you were supposed to like. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. It didn't say. Yeah. It didn't say tomato soup yeah. on the thing. Yeah. No. It was a special release they did, yeah, for a while. If there's any limited release because no one bought it. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) If there's any chewing involved, it's eating. So if you put crackers and cheese. Well, there you go. Then you change it into it. Okay, so that's where you'd draw the line. Otherwise, it's just warmed up V8 juice. And then you'd consider that just a hot smoothie. Right, yeah. Would you drink it? Like if I if I handed you a a, a piping hot glass (laughs) of tomato soup, you'd be like, thank you, may I have another? (laughs) My dad used to drink soup out of like a cup. Out of a he, cup? Yeah, he okay. just wouldn't use a spoon much, but yeah. Well, there you go. He was a little weird, though. He well, still is. Weird isn't He's bad. still alive. He's still alive. Weird, weird isn't bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, you know, I was talking to Ben, and <clears throat> we're all dads here. Uh-huh. You got to love a good, bad dad joke, right? So I printed out 135. We're not going to go through all of them. No. Um, but I've got a few. Um, from what I've seen, the idea is to try to make you all laugh. Okay. And for you guys to try not to laugh. Um, I'm terrible at trying not to laugh, so I'm going <laughs> to suck at this game. <laughs> but, um, you know, you do it surprisingly. When I do this kind of thing with youth, they're surprisingly good at <clears throat> not laughing. Hmm. Totally, like, first time I did it, right? So I've been doing youth ministry 10 plus, And... Uh, First time I did it, I thought it'd just be easy. Just knock them over. And they just stare at you like like nothing happened. And they get it. Like they get Oh, the they joke. get the joke and nothing. They're like, yeah. nah, whatever. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, I thought this was going to be easy. Yeah, like, do you not know funny when you hear funny? Yeah. Like, what in the world? Um, so, I feel that way about their music, though, too. Do you not know good <laughs> yeah. music? Do you not know that, good music? Absolutely. Oh, goodness. What is good music? Well, I mean, I, I think Blink-182 from okay. the past. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, okay. But they're not uh, digestible now to, to kids. And yeah. that is not an they're affirmation of... They're considered old by all means. Blink-182 is not safe for the whole family, just so you know. Yeah, that was back right. when I was a teenager. That's but, right. Uh, yeah, a past point. life. Yeah, oh, yeah. Back when I was <laughs> dead in my trespasses. And there seriously. it is. Yeah. Oh, goodness. It is. It's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. Um, so, I, okay. So, I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Um, Go for it. <laughs> Multiple of these tickled me, so I'm going to try to keep a straight face as I say it. But <clears throat> Imagine if you walked into a bar and there was a long line of people waiting to take a swing at you. That's the punch line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we're not supposed to laugh. No, it's yeah, uh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> you go. All right, so this is in honor of Dave Moore, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, and... Uh, what do you call a beehive without an exit? 
unbelievable. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm not yeah. supposed to. I got it. I'm not supposed yeah. to laugh. I got one. Um, how does a cat like his steak? I want to say meow, but <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Rare. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Classic. Uh, I got joke. one that's not on here. Um, why did I wear two pairs of pants when I went golfing? Because I thought I might get a hole in one. Oh, that's good. That's good. Right? Mm-hmm. I like it. No laughs, though. No laughs. So we succeeded. Yep. We held off on that one. Ben, you got another one? I hate it when people say age is only a number. Age is clearly a word. <laughs> yeah. That is a dad joke. That's a dad joke. <laughs> really Absolutely. Why is it a bad idea to iron your four-leaf clover? Because you shouldn't press your luck. Oh. Mm-hmm. I held it. I held it back. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm like stifling. If two vegans get in a fight, is it still considered a beef? Good question. It, it's, it's, you know, I'd, I'd like to ask. In fact, I know a vegan that uh, lives in town. I'll have to ask her. You'll mm-hmm. have to find two, though. It's going to be hard. That's, That's true. true. You'd That's have true. to find yeah. two. Actually, I don't know if you'd need to find two, because usually a vegan can fight with just about anyone else. Sure. <clears throat> My wife just said like I was a... immature. So I told her to get on my fort. <laughs> Did you guys hear yeah, you about can't, it? You can't hold that back, that one, because I can totally <laughs> see that happening I'm in your... To, I can see you oh, and the boys. I'm trying to hold it back. But... <laughs> Shoot. Did you guys hear about those uh, new corduroy pillows? Yeah, no. they're making headlines. Mm-hmm. So, dipping into my past... I used to be in FFA, of course, the only uh, the little blue and mm. gold corduroy jackets. Yeah. You don't want to wad that jacket up and sleep on it in the bus because you end up with that. Because they have corduroy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such an amazing pattern. Yeah. All right. So I got I to gotta say this one just in, in honor of uh, the fact that we've got a, a native Minnesotan here. That, oh, so, goodness. Yeah. So this is. Why are, why are the Minnesotans the butt of everyone's joke? But, but I mean, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving away the punchline. It's all right. So which U.S. state is famous for its extra small soft drinks? Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Minnesota. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's not too bad. Not too bad. No, that's too, not too bad. What concert? Hey, this is. Okay, music. What sure. concert costs 45 cents? 50 cent featuring Nickelback. Oh. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Nice. <laughs> that would be a terrible concert. I know. It would be a horrible yeah, concert. That's a really bad combination. I don't know if I could pay 45 cents for that. <laughs> 50 cent featuring Nickelback. I told you, I was reading through some of these. Oh, making me giggle. <laughs> Uh, how many apples grow on a tree? <clears throat> All of them. Oh yeah. No, that would work. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Made you very feel dumb tricky. there, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> very tricky. <laughs> I, I read that without reading the punchline, and I was like, "Oh man, I really want to try to figure that out." And then I kept <laughs> reading. <laughs> oh, gotcha. All right, this is my last one. Okay. So a Vicks Vapor Rub truck overturned on the highway this morning. Amazingly, there was no congestion for eight hours. <laughs> okay, okay. So you got, you I got, held you off got, on that one. Yeah, you got to know. Uh, Rob, did you have any more you wanted to throw out there? I got I one more. Think of any. Go ahead. Did you hear the rumor about butter? 
Well, I'm not going to spread it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Enough laughing. <laughs> Some good quality oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. Good. Hey, thanks for... Thanks for indulging us yeah. in some bad dad jokes. Um, <laughs> let's uh, transition into some current events. Yeah. Um, we have a couple here, and, and hopefully, um, Rob, you can speak on some of this. But um, one of them, the first one, is the effect that technology is having on teens sleeping. Um, and I, this article is about, um, it's from newscentermain.com. Um, and it's about teenagers and sleep, and actually they're seeing, a, um, through their study, they're seeing grades falling consistently uh, because of lack of sleep. And why is there lack of sleep? They're seeing within the study that a large percentage of them are, is because of screen time. They're so fixed on the screen. Um, um, the study showed that an average of nine hours a day since COVID hitting that students are looking at an electronic screen. Nine hours a day. So I was reading this article and uh, prep for tonight, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up because it's yeah. it's a big deal, and I think huge. Well, and, and not it, just for teens. That's no, my point. It's, it's for everybody. And but I I think, you know, pre-COVID, and I think we're gonna have a lot of that terminology for the next several oh, years, yeah. pre and post COVID decades. But, but <laughs> I I think you know um, the average kid probably in our neck of the woods in the wintertime, guess what they're doing? I mean. And we didn't even have any snow, really, to speak of this last winter. So, you know, going outside and hanging out and doing stuff and being active uh, apart from a screen of some kind is, is normally a bit of a challenge for a lot of families in our neck of the woods where it's cold. Okay. But uh, you combine that, and all of a sudden we kicked the kids out of the classroom yep. last sp- spring, this time of year, last year. And uh, and they're automatically starting to interface with screens for their schoolwork. Yeah. And, you know, it's the trend has always been there, but uh, there was a, a big ramp up in that. So... Um, you know, then you end up with a whole bunch of other, other activity that my kids, you know, have iPads or not mm-hmm. iPads. They got, uh, you know, tablets that they yep. use and, and enjoy doing stuff and playing games and, you know, you combine all that time and yeah, it's, it's a lot. So as a dad looking at my kids, you know, I'm thinking about, well, yeah, especially this summertime. And, and the nice thing <laughs> is my kids like to go outside and play and jump on the trampoline and stuff too, and, and do other things. We like to go. Why do they like doing that though? Could it be because mom and dad have encouraged them? Yeah, I think there's a combination. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're dragging us out there, so that's right. good. Well, but, you know. innately, most kids like being outdoors. Yeah, they do. As long as there's some encouragement I've seen, at yeah. least, to be out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I look at this, it feels kind of like COVID was just a little shove over the already, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. growing trend. That it just was like the last little push, and now it's snowballed into this huge thing. I'm curious, have you seen any of these kind of things? Have you seen, uh, we're going to get to it obviously later on and talk about just what you've seen, COVID and the effects of COVID sure. and the pandemic sure. and shutdown and coming back and all that kind of stuff has had on on our society, our community. Um, but have you seen anything like this affecting teenagers, the sleep, the screen time? Curious. So I haven't um, seen a whole lot of teenagers since COVID. Mm. Um, there's been a couple. Um, it's actually the little kids that I've noticed the most with. Really? Um, like, I'll get kids with some pretty bad behavioral problems. Um, and one thing I'll ask is how much screen time they're getting. And, yeah. Uh, they tend to be indulging quite a bit. And it, it's almost as if, and this is a little bit strange, but 
it's almost as if they're uh, having withdrawals from it. Um, similar to like a way of a drug addict or a dry mm-hmm. drunk, um, if they're not getting their alcohol, they're, they're crabby. Yeah. Uh, and if they you're crabby, dopamine. Yeah, and you're irritable. Well, um, mm-hmm. You're going to be picking fights more. You're going to be oppositional. Um, and so, obviously, screen time, you can you can do that yeah. in, in moderation uh, and do it healthy. Uh, but, again, like the dopamine drip, it's a steady, slow drip. Mm-hmm. And it can have a very similar effect to mm-hmm. uh, addiction withdrawals. Um, so, I don't know. I, I've just, like, how old are you? I'm 30. 30? 30. 43. 43. Mm-hmm. So we grew up 80s, 90s. Yeah. Somewhere in there. All right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we are the bridge, obviously, yep. over right. uh, the old ways and the, the new exactly. ways. Exactly. Um, yep. So I, I do remember predominantly playing uh, outside. Mm-hmm. But I also remember my cousin having a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mario 1, and he had uh, Skate or Die. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys know that game. Yep. Uh, but a lot of cool games. And I, I would like look forward to the days when I could go over to his house to definitely play. you know yep. like it was a yep. definite dopamine feel that I that, mm-hmm. you know I fell in love with video games early mm-hmm. um, so I mean that's when games like were terrible <laughs> you know like they're yeah. amazing now no. like I just can't imagine you can yeah, you can get lost in video games now because of just the how, how, how much you can be immersed into a fantasy world you can escape all of reality now basically in such a realistic second world. I think the the biggest difference <laughs> is that when you when you died in Nintendo, you had to start all the way over. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then I'd be like, "No, I'm not doing that." And I'd go outside and play. I can still remember Nintendo a game called 1941. It was a, it was a war. Uh, you're a plane and you're you're going through and there's 100 levels and you start at 100. And you go every level you pass, you go down. Mm-hmm. So that's how you knew like you were getting close to level 1. And my brothers, no joke, they got all the way down to, I think, level three or level two. And if you remember the, the old Nintendo, we're talking the old gray box yeah. Nintendo with yep. the game where you put in and press mm-hmm. down, right? Mm-hmm. And you pull, yeah, yeah right. terrible. Yeah. And I think it was either me or my younger brother. <laughs> he walked by and he tripped on it. No. Oh, yeah. And you know what happens if you accidentally, even oh if you whisper something at that Nintendo, it resets. Mm-hmm. They were lit. Wow. They were not happy. Wow. Right? Yeah. But just the same thing. If you died all the way back to the beginning, there was no save button. There was no coming back from that's, it. That's the equivalent of like the stock market crash. Right. For a it was yeah. horrible. Yeah, that's real bad. Yeah. We yeah. left the room. Yeah. <laughs> we knew better no point than to be stay around. <laughs> right. Exit yeah. immediately. That's funny. Well, I, part, of, part of what this article talked about too is, is that not just how much time total, but when during the day are they, you know, doing so, you know, if they're, if they're sitting in their room up until, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night, right before they're supposed to go to bed and they're, they're hanging out in their bed, you know, looking at whatever a game is or a, an iPad or a tablet or mm-hmm. phone or whatever it is, right? Um, it's hard for, especially, they said, especially kids that are struggling with ADHD and, AD, you know, ADD that, to be able to transition and go to yep. sleep, right? So that, right. and you know, there's a lot of studies that talk about the influence of blue light mm-hmm. on your brain. And uh, if you can set that aside for the first, you know, at least a half hour before you go to sleep, preferably longer, it's, yeah. it's, it allows your, your brain to kind of settle down. Yeah, I think Paul said ready, that yeah. studies, uh, studies that he had, had mm-hmm. read, if you can do it an hour or two hours prior yeah, it's, to it's sleeping, yeah. 
helps you fall asleep quicker sure. and deeper. You hit your REM REM cycle earlier in your sleep, and it carries on longer mm-hmm. in your sleep. And sure. um, yeah, and that's where my mind goes: is as adults, do we do we practice moderation with screens? I don't. Can we? Like, to what extent can you? Right. So obviously, the world or the word can is pretty subjective mm-hmm. right because we all have our own definition of what can really means like yeah i can stop looking at you know facebook for a half hour mm-hmm. right but someone else you know bentley would be like well i can for two hours whatever sure. um mm-hmm. it's all pretty relative but i mean do we uh, i struggle <laughs> i struggle with yeah, screen time i'm reading this article about teenagers in school i'm like, like oh. am i really as productive <laughs> as i can be right it's not just teenagers. No, I'm it's watching everybody. adults all around me, right. yep. and they're walking through the grocery store or Costco, and they're just like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I kid you not. Now I will say, and we've talked about this. We're kind of the bridge generation, and so I was playing basketball mm-hmm. at Assembly of God Church, and I was sitting down, and there's two gentlemen that were older than me, and then on my sorry on my left, and then there was two gentlemen on my right that were young. Both of them were younger than me. The two on my left were sitting and talking with one another. The two on my right were texting each other. Huh. And I kid you not. And you were right in the middle. And I was sitting in between. And I look. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I look. Well, that's fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. It was, wow, this moment of just <laughs> the difference in generations, you know. And you um, got out your Game Boy and started playing it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game Boy. Yeah, oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's another blast from the past. Hey, yeah. they might travel so much better for my parents, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, no, like, with joking. our kids, we try to practice moderation, you know. Yeah. Um, my oldest, he, he likes to – he wants to play uh, Forza, a racing mm-hmm. game on the Xbox. And uh, I say no probably 90% of the time. He really likes it, and understandably so. I like it. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's a hard game. it, it, it it's is. It's a really hard game. He does pretty good. He stays right on the road. Oh, wow. He hasn't won a race yet. That's pretty pretty far far away from him still, but <laughs> he can track down that road. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's such a hard, hard thing. But um, I don't know. For me, it really, this article, I don't know, threw kind of a red red light in my mind of sure. do I practice this kind of moderation? What, what would, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Like, what would your life look like if you took a step forward in moderation of screen time. Yeah, so I think I think in general, and uh, and this is my personal situation right now, because I've, I've switched jobs to a job where I'm, I'm more of my job is interacting with phone and, mm-hmm. and computer than previous to that. Um, I think it would be healthy for me personally to carve out a certain amount of time every day where I'm not, I'm intentionally not. And usually that'd be the best thing to do would be in the evening when right. my family's around anyway. So you're right. But then as the father of the household and a leader of the household is to not only model that, but then say, Hey, let's, let's put the, the devices away at yeah. eight o'clock, eight thirty, whatever, seven thirty, whatever we as, as uh, yeah. the family decide is good. Mm-hmm. And that helps to instill that discipline of, Hey, I, you know, it's, I can be doing other things, you know, my family loves board games, you know, and that kind of thing. So why don't we do some of the more of that stuff? And, Ooh, you know, yeah. and when I was growing up, it was it was TVs. With, that was the screen we were dealing with a lot yeah, of times. Yeah, right. Late and, night shows. And, you know, I remember my parents, they would they had a TV in their room. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of a lot of uh, 
parents have yeah. have a TV in their in their bedroom and stuff. So yeah, I have a lot of fond memories yeah. of watching movies with my sure. dad, old war movies and different things like that. It'll come mm-hmm. on and. <laughs> and I look at my wife like, oh, I've watched this movie, I think, probably like 10, 20 times right. with my dad, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so th- there definitely is a place of positive screen time, you know, but um, obviously there's a line of too much. Um, right. But, man, it's a hard, I think it's a hard line to toe sometimes, too, and both finding that line of what's what's a healthy amount, what's a, what's a reality amount, like, I just... This is like you said for your job. It, your phone is your yep. lifeline to yep. all your clients and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you can't, unless you want to give up your job, you can't really give that up. That's how they want to get a hold of you. Yeah. So, sure. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like there's two, two aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one is how much time. Yeah. Do you want to limit the amount of time? The other aspect is. How intense? Mm. Like, are you drawn to it? Mm-hmm. Um, like, where is it becoming such a love that it's like entering the idolatry category? Yeah, right. Um, yep. So even if you don't spend that much time, I do think that our time does does count as an indicator of mm-hmm. our right. love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know that I've I've vacillated a lot throughout the years. My wife can vouch for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where I've gone from like just like binge watching shows and playing video games like mm-hmm. in a really addictive sort of way and then um being like all right nothing and i just quit everything yeah you know log out of all the accounts and just like i'm go, done go back to caveman living right. you know uh and somewhere in the middle i think is the right spot mm-hmm. um you know how like apple sends you uh, a screen time update mm-hmm. you're like you were down four hours this week you're like wow that's pretty good i'm yeah. killing it <laughs> I I wonder if when we get to heaven, we're going to have like a screen time, mm. like print off. Like you spent uh, two million hours in front yeah. of the TV. I yeah. thought I called you to do other things, but yeah, um, I don't know. That yep. that, that makes or, you feel gross, you yeah. know, thinking about it. Um, I know that not every hour we have on earth is meant to be spent yeah. uh, being productive. We're yeah. obviously supposed to spend some time resting, yeah. um, enjoying. <laughs> so we don't want to be... Over the top, like right, taskmaster. Yeah, legalistic. Yep. Like I wasted five minutes. I could have been evangelizing, <laughs> you know. Um, yep. But uh, at the same time, I do think that the the luxuries we have and the prosperity we have makes us mm. sloppy in our Christianity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And boy, I, I don't think we're extra bad for it. I think it's just an effect that happens. Yeah. To unpersecuted churches. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're and to asking, be aware of it. Yeah, right. Well, even being aware of it, yeah. I'm not sure how much it changes. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have the you have the issue of the quantity. We've been talking a lot about the quantity, but then you mm-hmm. have the quality. What exactly are you consuming? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I tend to be a geek, and I'm chasing all kinds of information all the time. Um, but yeah, some, you're one of those people that like school. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, not all school. Not all uh, school. That's no, no, true. No, no, school, school that pertains to your yeah, field. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Up, yeah. But but then you've got, you know, some people spend tons and tons of time on their phone playing games. You know, that's what they're <laughs> they're spending most of their time doing. So, um, you know, is that good downtime? Well, mm-hmm. I think it gets back to that balance of quantity and quality. What, yeah. are, what are we talking about? So. Well, and, and yeah, Rob, you touched on it too. Just, you know, the impact of your time on a screen. Is there any kingdom impact to mm-hmm. that? Right. And so 
Um, that's at least where my mind was going. Um, so like last night I got done with, with youth group and, um, went home, made sure the kids are to bed and all that kind of stuff. And then I hopped on, uh, Xbox and I played games with a, a couple of our youth, right. And connected with them. Why? Because we were here and they're like, Hey, I haven't played with you in a little while. Can we play tonight? I'm like, yeah, we can play tonight. Right. So like for me, that's an opportunity to reach out, to connect, to build relationship. That is one of those, like we're saying, one of those mm -hmm. opportunities, those times where screen time is one of those really positive, I think, kingdom impact opportunities, moments, just like this, right? People are going to be consuming right. this podcast. Mm -hmm. How dare you? On a screen. Yeah. yeah, right. And now we're telling them not to. No, I'm <laughs> right? Just like, listen to it. You know, that's probably... Well, right, but yeah, they're still using electronic yeah, yeah, yeah. device that I'm they have to joking, look at, yeah. Yeah, right? It's I'm like, joking. So there's definitely the that area of positive and from a from a Christian perspective, a, a faith perspective, mm -hmm. there's definitely a a kingdom impact that is inherent in, in a lot of these things if we yeah. choose to put that at the forefront. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm hearing you say is you have a choice and is not only how much time you spend, but what you're doing within that time. Mm -hmm. And um so, like, am I playing by myself or am I bringing my kids and spending time with them playing something they enjoy mm -hmm. and putting the game that I really like to the side and playing with them? You know, that's um, – my younger brother, I think, does a really good job of this too because um, I, I interact with him. He's got, he's got uh, two kids that are similar ages to ours and um, just talking with him about some different things. And mm -hmm. I, I, was a, I was struck by how intentional he tries to be in – um, no, I can't play with you right now. I'm, I'm playing with my kids on this thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's a really cool, cool moment. Like, oh, that's a really cool decision you're making. The, you know, a choice that you're going to put at the forefront. You're going to make a priority. Um, so, yeah. I think that's uh, probably... Um, I didn't turn on my peace sign yet. Oh, yeah. Get the thing on. Um, there we go. We're good. Um, start it over. Start yeah, <laughs> start fresh. Dad joke. Um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, Why yeah. did I wear two pairs now? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the the idea of choice, um, I think, is actually pretty big here. Um, mm. So, like, whether you uh, choose to spend some time, um, like, making iMovie music videos, or yep. you know, whatever, video games, or whatever you're spending your time on. Are you in charge of your choice? Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like a lot of these things are set up to kind of just suck you in. Yeah. And you're not really... Um, Social almost, media apps, specifically. Yeah, like, you're not making an active choice that I want to be doing this, but I have a reflex to do it. Yep. Um, that's where I would, I would uh, encourage people to take back their autonomy almost, you know? 100%, yeah. Um, independent... Like, identity. do you want to be spending this yeah. time doing that? Or are you just kind of, like, yep. floating with it? Because yep. um, when I had Facebook, I felt like I floated. Uh, that mm. uh, uh, news feed, you just keep scrolling, like, looking for something to, Engage to grab you. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, two hours later, you've done nothing. You didn't even want to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like you wasted something. Um, if you're going to play a video game, sit down and play it. Like, do it. Make right. that choice. Uh, and then get up and do something else. Uh, if you're going to rest, rest. If you're going to work, work. But this whole like half in, half out, like kind of just an like, hour lays. later, you're like, I didn't do anything. Right. And just mm -hmm. cloudy. I don't feel like I rested. I don't feel like I entertained. Or, I yeah. don't feel like I, you know, I just don't feel like I did anything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So being purposeful about it. Yeah. That That's was a lot easier way. way to say it, though. 
No, intentional. Good. There you go. There we go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So uh, a helpful hint there for me that another um, mentor of mine mentioned to me that I actually try to practice regularly is I just delete social media apps off my phone randomly. Not like not all of them, because um, again, a lot of parts of my ministry people interact with me on those things. Sure. Sure. Um, but like, I'll if I sense an app that I'm going to like I. Like I'm sitting down and I have idle time mm-hmm. and just naturally the phone comes out and this app opens, mm-hmm. I delete it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. And then and then it's gone for a month. Mm-hmm. And then I'll bring it back. It's, again, for me, it's like, so I have TikTok. I don't make any TikTok videos, but it's a way for me to stay kind of in tune with youth culture in general. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, it's probably parents. It's one of the best tools. If you want to know where youth culture, like in the U.S., is heading music that's popular things that your kids are definitely hearing at school seeing at school dances all these ideas mm-hmm. uh, like uh, cool words lingo things like that TikTok's probably the best place for it mm-hmm. but TikTok is 100% designed to suck you in and waste hours of mm-hmm. your time mm-hmm. and so um, so I'll do that I'll go through this like this time of oh okay I'm I'm starting to get sucked in and it's gone and then I'll bring it back after a little while when that's kind of subsided. Um, and so my wife and, and I like have a dialogue on that because the last thing I want is for that, like, uh, like you're saying, a habitual, you know, reaction over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be, it can be hard. It's not, it's not easy. Right. Um, but like you said that the way you put that floating, I think really accurately describes hundred like, yeah. percent. You feel like you're just it's floating. kind of a gross feeling. It is. Yeah. Yep. Like you said, it's nothing nothing accomplished in that time. Yeah, when you look, look back at it and you think, well, that was a waste. Yeah. Then, you know, it's yeah. not, not good. It's a good indicator. So we have a we have a positive current event. So right. how many wow. current events end up being wow. positive? I know. It's like, so I, I actually didn't hard. have to search that hard, but usually you do, right? Normally I was do. thinking about that. Like, felt fortunate that this time around it just popped out. Mm-hmm. So uh, another study from usnews.com. They found that there is a growing number of 14 to 24-year-olds taking care of their elderly relatives. Hmm. Whereas typically you would think it'd be like your 40, 50, 60-year-old, you know, like sons and daughters taking care of their parents as they get older. Um, and that's still is, the rule. You know, there's still a majority of, of that dynamic happening. Right. There's but still a lot of that going on. They, they the surveyed study, there was, there was over 1,000 uh, young people that fall into this age range, 14 to 24, and they found that there's 35% of them that have or are currently caring for one of their older relatives. Wow. I know. You like, know, good on them. Like, yeah. There's, wow. a, there's another stat uh, that's growing, and that's mm-hmm. um, grandparents raising grandchildren. Oh, yeah. Isn't that Going the other way, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the middle gap doing? Like, Parents, man. Yeah, I know. They're just like the middle. Uh, I don't know. They're playing video games. That's what they're. <laughs> they're playing they're video games. That, so. Yeah, it, it, there's a huge disparity there mm-hmm. between the two, um, and it's up. Um, those numbers were ten times higher than previous estimates and mm. studies before. So, so is that our generation that's kind of? So it used to be three point five percent based on previous studies hmm. of fourteen to twenty four year olds taking care of elderly relatives. And now it's up. To and now it's thirty-five percent. Wow. That's insane. That's that's a huge jump. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's 
And my wife's one of those. She's in that yep. statistic. Yeah, her yep. her uh, um, her grandma Angie had uh, dementia, and um, when she was living at home, and she she helped um, her mom, my mother-in-law, take care of her. Um, and but yeah, like I don't mm. think about it a whole ton, but really cool that yeah. youth are willing to step up and take on. Your twenty-somethings are typically looking to go to college, so that means they're either holding off on that to do this mm-hmm. or they're doing both at the same time. I think you, you mentioned someone you knew doing that. Yeah. So I know of a, a young man that uh, is able to, because he's going in, going to college in a, in the same town that is uh, his grandpa's in and his grandpa's got some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, don't need to tell exactly what that is, but he's able to check in on him and, you know, be there and, and help mm-hmm. out. And uh, I don't know what level of caregiving he's doing, but he's obviously participating there. And yeah. it's really, really good because obviously his granddad trusts him. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his kid's not, uh, you know, not a slouch and he knows, you know, he's responsible. And yeah. so it's, it's, I don't, I don't know that he would, I guess I I'll have to ask him, but I would, I would think that he probably enjoys that time with his yeah. granddad, even though that, you know, there's some things that are challenging there. And I think one of the things that it talks about in the, in the article is the need to, you know, surprisingly there's that many young people that are stepping into that role how do we how do we help provide you know some additional help and resources to those those individuals well i think rob you touched on it too it very well could be um any of this study doesn't speak to it but simple logic right if if there's a growing number of grandparents parenting grandkids mm -hmm. it would be logical then that those grandkids are looking to reciprocate the same thing as they're getting older and their grandparents that once fathered and mothered them that they're reciprocating those things back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we know this, that there's a huge breakdown in the home, in the family, in our nation, right? There's a lot of motherless and fatherless homes. Uh, there's a lot of homes that have neither. Um, there's a growing number of kids in the foster system and in adoptive um, systems. Um, that is, it's, it's, it's sad, um, heartbreaking in a lot of ways um there's also like a glimmer of hope that some of these families that can have kids are now engaging this population of kids and bringing them into a really awesome healthy home um but not enough either right Right. there's so many kids that need a healthy home working with youth all the time i i see it a lot of man if you just had somebody that every day you woke up and they just said they loved you your your outlook on life would probably be drastically different but because you wake up and you have a parent that um, either ignores you or just tells you all the ways you need to do better, you have just this jaded view on how people perceive you and how you perceive others. And then it gets worse, too, as some of those kids are, are in households where the parents aren't doing the work of loving them. Meaning, yeah. meaning you can say all you want, but, right, but how right. are you actually providing yep. uh, as a as a parent for your yeah. children. You know, that's, well, that's you know, some people, some every people parent are, yeah, find exactly. That, those places to show that love. Cause it, it takes effort, takes work. Yeah. But, but if you're broken as a parent already and you're dealing with, and I'm sure you, you know, Rob in your practice, you occasionally <clears throat> run into some, some families, especially marriages that they're struggling. And they're so focused on that. They're having a hard time focusing on the kids very well. Yeah, sure. So yeah. it's, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's. I would say it's the, the, one of the, the big challenges for our society is yeah. how do we uh, how do we bring some healing, some emotional healing to young parents and just parents in general, so that they can do a better job of parenting. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
something to definitely be praying for. Um, always be on the lookout. There's there's always be surprised. I mean, you guys probably wouldn't, but I think a lot of people would be surprised at how far one uh, kind word to a kid yeah. goes. Like can completely reshape their trajectory in life by one adult, a teacher, a um, somebody that is in their life just going, hey, I see this in you. Yeah. You know, that's something for me that I try to do when I can, when I see something, you know, not fake, when I see something genuine and be like, hey, I see this in you. Sure. Because um, my hope is that that would have a, a positive impact that, you know, when they're going through something hard, they can lean back like this person who I trust said this about me. Mm-hmm. Right. And like we talked last night with the youth, um, yep. the Bible is absolutely stuffed like to the brim with truths of who God uh, of what God says we are like who we are in Christ right just his beloved his children his adopted children right um, just perfect in his sight created a masterpiece I mean just over and over and over again um, like just it's stuffed over and over with who we are in Christ the identity God has given us and but so many kids they either haven't heard it or they've heard it and never seen it. Um, and yeah, there's just huge, there's a huge disparity between these grandkids and these grandparents in this middle area of opportunity, right? That's what I just keep coming back because I can't, I can't make choices for people or right. for parents, right? I just keep going back. For me, my perspective is um, opportunity. Just a huge opportunity over and over and over again. Because yeah. if I if I don't look at it that way, then I get stuck in the negative, right? I get stuck in the the problems. Though I don't want to ignore the realities, but also if I just sit and stare at the problem, then nothing changes, right? You know. Um, but cool opportunities, I think. Yeah, I um, I didn't read that article, but mm-hmm. um, and I didn't mean to make it negative sound. No, 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 you're good. <laughs> um, because it's a reality of it. The, the, the beautiful piece about it mm. is that um, is the willingness of yeah. these right. young people yep. yeah. to step forward and care because that's difficult work. Well, and it's counter this stereotype, I think, of oh, our selfish, young people. Gen mm-hmm. Z. Self-centered. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so that is impressive and I do believe that's going to build some character yeah. in these kids. Yeah, totally. Um, as long as it's not parentification, but um, which we could talk about later. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, again, the the thought comes to mind. Okay, so why why the increase? You know, yeah. what's happening on a sociological level? And I'm yeah. not a sociologist. I don't even think I ever took a class on that. But um, you just always see ripple effects and yep. like, stuff happening. Logic but, leads you in that. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that's cool. cool yeah. Answer. So, um, well, let's get to the meat of our, yeah. if we haven't already, sure. I love it. We've been touching on some really cool, cool thoughts, but Rob, I, I haven't talked to you in, in quite some time. Yeah. I still remember five and a half, five years ago, I think it was you coming and having, having lunch with myself and Paul and a few others. I did. Oh yeah. yeah, That yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah. a long time ago, wow. man. I know. Yeah. That was here, right? Yeah. With we, Butch. yeah. You came here. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Butch over in Savage. Oh, no, 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 no. It was Tim. Tim, oh, uh, you're right. Kofke. Kofke, mm-hmm. that's right. Yep. Yep. Tim yep. was at Savage yeah. at, at that point at the that's Alliance right. Church. Yep. Um, and then we went to Metal Ark for lunch. And, um, man, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good, man. Yeah. Um, I do remember the meeting down here. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and uh, I got to know you some then, but then, you know, I've always appreciated um, just the way you've carried yourself and, and who you are, and um, you're a man of faith, and, and so that gives me some, you know, common ground with you too in that way, and um, just where are you at right now? So you finish your master's, like what's your, what's your title and things like sure, that? Like where yeah. are you at and things? Um, I know you're here in Sydney and in Glendive. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. Um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just sure, kind of yeah. sharing a little update of who, what, where, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm 35, married, three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up in Portland and uh, homeschooled for the first six years of elementary and then went to public school. That was quite a, uh, an awakening. Yeah. Right. Um, and then uh, I actually I majored in music. I was going to be a music teacher, but then I got mm. sick with Crohn's disease. So I had to do a career change after all that work and money. Um, but it turned mm. out to be um, a door that was closed uh, that really opened a, an, an excellent direction. I, I didn't know how much I would like counseling. Mm. Um and how much it would fit with with who I am. I get energy going to work. Mm. Um, it is it is tiring work, but um, it feels very sustainable. Um, like I don't, uh, I just I love it. It's yeah. interesting. Um, I would guess that if you didn't draw energy from that kind of work, that you trying to do that kind of work, yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So uh, I went back to to school. Um, went to Multnomah. In, uh, in Portland and got a master's in counseling. Then we moved out here shortly after I started private practice. We got license. I got licensed a couple years later. And so my official title is a licensed, oh shoot, what is it? <laughs> uh, LCPC, licensed clinical professional counselor. That's what I am. Right now. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I see on average about 25 clients a week. Um, that's that'll keep you busy. Yeah, it's considered full time. Yeah. Um, for a counselor, you usually don't do forty hours. It's you're gonna burn out too fast. Then you don't mm-hmm. have time for paperwork. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I do is, um, uh, I'm a worship pastor part time at Glendive Evangelical Church. Yeah. Uh, in Glendive. Which I love, by the way, because music's one of my favorite passions. Oh, so. Nice. Nice. Yep. Because that's what I do here. On, oh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. So I'm the associate sweet. pastor of youth and worship is what I was hired for. Oh, so. sweet. What do you play? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, mainly acoustic because of mm-hmm. the need. I love playing bass. Bass is my first love, and that's mm-hmm. what Ben the plays bass, as yeah. well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so um, just recently I've been able to start playing more on bass. In fact, I was supposed to play bass this uh, last Sunday, but I got sick, so Ben oh. filled in for me. Yeah. It's good, it's good to have two basses. No, no COVID, no COVID thankfully. Oh, okay. No, that was back in November. Yeah, that's what I had. Yeah, yeah. we had it. Kind of mm-hmm. We we got released right before Thanksgiving. Thank goodness. So. Oh, could you taste food? Uh, no. Oh. Okay. No, it was Neither a it I. was a bummer that way, but. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. But at least I didn't <laughs> have to sit in my house. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, that is nice. Yeah. But. So speaking of COVID. In your practice, what have you seen? Any any major changes over the last, let's say, twelve to eighteen months? Mm. Uh, more strain on marriages, uh, more relapsing, um, substance abuse mostly. Um, so I don't have a lot of substance. Uh, I usually refer out. Um, I do work with addictions, like various, like mostly like behavioral addictions, mm-hmm. but um, 
Yeah, just the more stress, uh, people typically do worse under it. You know? Yeah, sure. Um, that's or, or change. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and force change. change. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um, but you know, with the oil field going down, I mean, there's yep. a lot of comorbidity, like just ripple effect, bad things happening. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, there was a massive like influx of new clients um, wanting counseling. Most counselors around here are booked out a couple months. Um, so I don't know. There, it, I guess pandemics are real good for a counseling business. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's, right. that's good job security. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you don't want to see people suffer. No. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's mainly the thing I've seen is just with more stress, more change, like you said, mm-hmm. um, people's problems typically worsen. So. You've seen some victories through your work in the last year, you think, addressing some things? Um, let's see. I mean, there's been some, there's always like breakthroughs and sure. then like crumbling. Like that's just kind of the nature of yeah, the thing. Yeah. You get um, a new crisis. Um, some clients, uh, like they come for different reasons. Some some want just a place to vent and then yeah. they're good. Um, yep. Some people want like almost like a life coach walking through life with them. Yeah. Sure. Um, so they'd, they'd be like once a month, kind of give yep. it an update, but... Uh, they'll email me when something bad happens and, you know, they'll want a session. Um, and then other people are really don't want to be here, but they're working on a specific problem. Right. Mm-hmm. When we're through that problem, they'll they'll move on. Right. And may not see them again or might see them like five years later. I've sure. Seen, yeah. Seen some of that too. So um, how did I get going on that? COVID. COVID. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so with... Oh, you had a really good question on that. I can't remember. It's COVID. COVID. Mm-hmm. Has, well, has I would just, I would just ask it. Have you seen any victories? Over that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Over, so you know, or, or some progress, or whatever you want to say. It, so yeah, it it just seems like there's um, continuously victories, and it, it's kind of like the wheat and the tares. Like the wheat grows alongside the tares. Yeah. Um, and and that's people too in their sure. personal lives. Um, and and there's some people where it was just like. Massive amounts of wheat, wheat, and we cut it off and, and harvest, and it was great, and we're done counseling. And yeah, that's good. Um, that's way cool. It's really satisfying to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. But in a strange way, it's also, and I hope this doesn't sound weird, it's also satisfying to get people coming in with interesting problems, mm. you know, and they've been stuck and they want to be unstuck, and it just feels like a brand new puzzle. Haven't seen this before. Yeah. It's it's. Stimulating, and energizes you. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, it's you find be... yourself a, a problem solver at, at at heart. Like that's very natural thing for you to like. If you come come across a Sudoku puzzle, well, that I did. Kind of a thing, I did or... go through a Sudoku phase. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do enjoy chess. I enjoy strategy games, yeah. Risk, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, kind of with counseling, there are some things that. Um, kind of repeat you mm. see things often a pattern yeah there's patterns mm-hmm. and then there's like pattern treatment for it as well so sometimes okay. it's it's not reinventing the wheel but occasionally there will be interesting um dilemmas that you almost mm-hmm. have to like tinker with the yeah the treatment almost you know um and that's just like really fun 
as you feel like Doctor House a little bit. <laughs> um, not that walk smart. around with a cane, yeah, yeah, and all moody randomly. and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, not quite that cool. But... You come home with your wife, you're like, I've got a really interesting one. Yeah, you pull out the cane. <laughs> right, that's my thinking stick. Yeah, not quite like that, but yeah, um, no, but it is. I mean, if you didn't enjoy it, yeah, like you said, I think you would burn out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's got to be like some kind of intrinsic rewards, um, and I think the challenge is a reward for me. But sure. Well, yeah, and I had an interesting question too. Um, so, how do you, like, what boundaries do you put up to help you not bring those things home? Right. So you got a wife, you got kids, mm-hmm. you got this really important family unit, a home that you need to be a dad and a father to, not a counselor to. Obviously, I'm sure there's some run over there is, where yeah. you can use some of these awesome gifts and talents that you have and knowledge to kind of, not kind of, to really help your family grow mm-hmm. through hard things or help your kids or your wife through hard things but like i'm sure you've thought of that what kind of boundaries or things have you set up so that work stays work and home stays home yeah yeah and i actually i get that question quite a bit from clients do you Um, really yeah um i think part of it is just practice Mm -hmm. um so there's not like um like uh a single thought that helps you do it um I remember actually my internships, um, like getting done with a session and just sitting there in shock and like starting to cry, like just like mm-hmm. heavy, so heavy intense. stuff. Yeah, way intense. I mean, this guy had two forms of cancer. His wife died brain cancer. His Ooh. current wife, like cheating on him. Like it's just like, oh my goodness. Um, yeah. What heavy. a job story, you know? Yeah. Um, and then like, how do I help him? You mm-hmm. know? Um, but over time, like you, you kind of get used to like the weightlifting, I guess, aspect mm-hmm. of it. Like, yeah. um, I guess one of the tools, like cognitive tools that I, I use is that I remind myself that humans are actually very resilient. And I know that that can be kind of misused at times, like, ah, they're resilient, like dismissive. Right. Um, it's not supposed to be a dismissive concept, um, but it's more realistic in the sense that um, people can can push through unbelievable amounts of stress and mm-hmm. hardship um, and make it out the other side. Um, not that it makes it all sweet and pretty. Um, it's still really hard and difficult, but it's kind of like when you go to the doctor. Uh, have you guys ever had like a procedure, surgery, or anything like that? Like, Wisdom teeth. Oh, okay, sure. So I had my large intestine taken out. <laughs> um, Ouch. And, like, yeah, after the surgery, I was, like, really sore and didn't want to mm-hmm. move. But all the nurses were, like, telling me, get up, you know. All right, come on, sit up. Now let's walk around the hospital. It was, like, so difficult. I was, like, like Why are you asking me to do this? Yeah, like, stop it. Like, what's wrong with you people? Like, this hurts, you know. Right. Um, but the nurses almost seemed a little bit callous. Like, it almost seemed like they didn't care about my, you know, physical pain. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because they've seen so much pain and they've seen people really they're okay yeah. you know they're gonna be okay um there are clients though that i'll get where i can tell they're not gonna be okay and that's when you know i, I put more into it yeah. make sure they're safe and things like that right. but for the most part one way to not bring it home mm. is to remind myself they are okay yeah. it's hard um and i'm I'm trying to help the best i can yeah. i don't want to overextend myself because then i'm not as helpful then right i don't want to basically rob them of um 
like the the cocoon effect mm-hmm. or the you know hatching from the egg sure. effect you know where you grow the muscles and strength from from the adversity um they need that trial trials where we grow right the times, yeah. right and they need that muscle growth whether it's spiritual or emotional mental whatever yeah um they need that from this experience i don't want to rob that by mm-hmm. overly helping them just like the nurses needed me to stand up and walk yeah. rather than them just pushing me in a wheelchair totally. all around so um yeah, and then as far as like shutting off the empathy, um, like one, I, I do pray for my clients, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean I think that helps. Um, and then like bring you some closure on a more daily basis of it's in you know God's in control that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think just having a real clear um, understanding of what my role is and mm-hmm. how much I can actually do. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm confused about that, if I'm overextending myself, trying to be more of a hero or a savior to them than I'm yeah. even capable of, I'm gonna run myself out, um, yeah. run out of energy. But um, keeping in mind, like God doesn't do it for us either. Like He yeah. doesn't um, He doesn't push us in the wheelchair. He He knows what we're made of. Um, he'll He'll allow us to go through some really difficult things. Totally. I don't. Um, again, it might sound really callous, but. Yeah. We are able to shoulder mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and in a lot of cases, it's good for us. Well, and I like asking you that question, right? Because I, I wrestle with that at different times too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ben's heard me say this a lot. Something that's helped me through it is um, I'm not responsible for people. I'm responsible to people, mm-hmm. right? So like I'm responsible to Ben in being his pastor mm-hmm. and him being an elder here at the church and him being... Right, so I oversee the worship ministry. Well, he's a part of our worship ministry, so I'm I'm responsible to him in that role for that thing. Um, he's going to be helping out with the youth ministry as a youth leader. I'm responsible to him, mm-hmm. but if he goes and makes a bad choice, like I am not responsible for that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's heard me say that mm-hmm. numerous times, um, and I have to be reminded of that too. You know, because it'll be hard. Someone makes a really bad choice, and it can rob you uh, a, a portion of your day. Or a whole day. Because right. you're just like, why are you making that choice? Please stop, please stop making that choice. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something so much better for you. Um, and you have to, like, I have to be reminded of that, too. I, I, I say it to my youth leaders all the time, working with teens all the time. <laughs> they make a lot of bad choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it can be really easy to get caught up in, we like, like a almost narcissistic way. Like, I could have I changed that. Mm-hmm. when I can't like there's no way there's no way I can change this kid's choice that person was going to make that choice if God himself right. like doesn't step in right to take over exactly. his choices what chance do you have right yeah. exactly right. so like being reminded of that I'm responsible to this person have I shared truth God's truth yes have I shown them love and care mm-hmm. yes have I made myself available to them yes have I interjected at you know, intentional, crucial moments where I should, yes. Mm-hmm. Do I need the helicopter? No. Should I? No. That's that's a horrible way of going about it, and I'm not responsible for them, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. I've had other youth ask me that question, too. Like, um, Jazz asked me that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a long time. She was, went through all the way through our youth group, and then actually got to do her wedding. Mm-hmm. And now they're youth leaders. Zach and Jazz are youth oh, leaders wow. here at the church. Cool. And she asked me that question a little differently. She goes, how do you not get sick of us, uh, you know, and you come home and because um, she lived with us for like six months or something like that, um, and she goes, yeah, you you come home from youth group and 
like I know what these kids said and what they did and, and, and she's like I'm wrecked like I don't and you mm-hmm. come home and you're like totally fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm like are you saying like you think I don't I don't care no no I know you care about how do you switch it off right mm-hmm. so I'm always interested especially for you where okay not every minute of my day is dealing with people's problems a lot of my day ends up that way but like you are literally that is your your role is for people to come and unload and for you to sift mm-hmm. I'm probably paraphrasing I don't mean to speak for you no, but that's my perception anyways of mm-hmm. sift through and try to help them through that mess um, I'm always interested in and how someone navigates that and still has a healthy home life mm-hmm. where it's not overtaken by the good thing the passion the the, <coughs> the gifts the talents God's given you mm-hmm. you know and run run amok that'd be sure. a, obviously a terrible thing but so here's another question I'd like to I, I would imagine I'd, I've never been uh, under the I guess the the care of a, a good licensed professional like you but how much of your time is spent simply doing one of these two sides of a coin either showing somebody where their their, their blind spot is and, and bringing awareness to their blind spot and or correcting incorrect thinking that they've got about themselves mm-hmm. well that's a good question okay so make sure i got this question right mm-hmm. uh the two sides of the coin are they don't see anything they just are okay. blind to and it or blind spot. Okay. they're believing something that's untrue okay about this. sure um y- usually those are overlapped like mm-hmm. can be one and the same um okay. yeah but i mean to kind of elaborate on that um one of the challenges is balancing um maintaining rapport with your client mm-hmm. while also nudging them towards truth i guess yeah yep. um like you don't want to make them mad, but at the same time, anytime someone points out something that isn't great, and I have made clients hard. mad. Yeah. Um, but it's um, it was either an accident, like yeah. I that came out wrong, or mm-hmm. you didn't understand what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, but um, the more rapport you have with them, the more mm-hmm. correcting power you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, in in that sense, it's it's a little it's a little different than being a pastor, um, because as a pastor, uh, you have to be very careful mm-hmm. not to condone sin and therefore like disgrace holiness. Yeah. Um, whereas in a counselor role, you actually roll with the issues a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, so you don't um, try to scrub them clean. Um, mm-hmm right away um you're looking basically like to triage them um where are they bleeding the most let's Mm. stop that and then let's let's go on to the next thing after that but in the meantime you're you're constantly like assessing and and kind of nurturing the therapeutic relationship that you have with them Mm -hmm. um when you have that in place um it's it's actually not that hard to correct them or challenge them um, it just there's a there's a softer startup for it, mm-hmm. whereas I feel like um, I feel like overall our culture doesn't really know how to confront, and when we do, it's kind of nasty. Yeah, uh, usually fueled by anger or bitterness that's been pent up. Yeah, yeah, right. Or judgmentalism. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like prejudging. Right. Like they yeah. didn't assuming a lot. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there are a, a few simple ways of like phrasing a challenge that's actually more honoring to them. Yeah. Uh, and less assuming. Um, that that I think is actually a lot of times when I correct clients, they they appreciate it and it feels very genuine. And it's mm-hmm. almost like they don't even know they were being right. challenged on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I think it's because the the fangs were taken out of it. You know, yeah. the venom was taken out. Like they know I'm not putting venom into it. I have no dog in the fight. Why would I attack them? Right. Um, you were literally there. I'm do just. All you can I'm here to serve you mm-hmm. an influence. And maybe there's this area that I I don't know for sure, but I'm just gonna. I'm gonna throw this out there and just see what you think, right. and like that. Sometimes that's just how I phrase sure. it. Sure. Um, it's just a real gentle. And then a lot of times, if you're doing your job right as a counselor, they'll come up with them themselves. Like yeah. they'll they'll see it. And studies show that when they have their own self epiphanies, they tend to do more. Uh, they tend to last longer, like create lasting change. Like they took ownership of it. Yeah, it was like my own discovery. It was like this amazing light bulb moment. I, you know, and and now like I'm motivated. Yeah. Versus if I just told them in the first session, right. here's what's here's what's here's what's wrong with you. Um, Which is what we'd all want. We'd all want to come up with our own solution, ideally. Sure. Uh, so in some ways, I almost feel like, um, and uh, again, I don't. I don't, I don't want to, like, blanket statement, like, pastors and how they counsel, mm-hmm. but there's this nervousness, I think, mm. that I've come across with pastors, almost like an impatience, like, I need to, like, Correct. point this out now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what if you think about it, the Holy Spirit, like, how long has he been, like, poking at certain 100%. things in your life, you know? Like, yeah. he's been waiting years. Like, we know better. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Lord is actually very patient. Yeah. Um, and and so I think extending that as well is um, yeah. is uh, is needed. Um, people are very messy, and mm, um, guaranteed, it, and it takes a long time to change. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, that's something I have to remind myself of too. Um, in almost like a not necessarily comical, but in a more positive light, like I would not exist if people were perfect, and in fact. A lot of things wouldn't exist if people were perfect. People aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's okay. Why sure. am I surprised when someone makes a bad choice? We're surrounded by bad choices every day, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, another quote from uh, Paul David Tripp um, talking about parents. He goes, parents, why are you surprised when you need to parent? That's literally your name. <laughs> right? But how often mm-hmm. do parents get exasperated that mm-hmm. I told you already five times not to touch the yep. light bulb and there you went you touched the light but now mm-hmm. the lamp fell over and it's broken right mm-hmm. and that quote would come through my head again like of why am i surprised parents why are you surprised people why are you surprised when other people make bad choices mm-hmm. duh mm-hmm. that's funny that's go a ahead and rewind your own life just the last 24 hours did you make bad choices? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made bad choices. Now, obviously, we know there's worse consequences for certain choices, uh, which we would then deem be- worse choices, right? Obviously, God sees sin as sin, right? There's no level of sin. However, we do know there's inherent consequences to that sin. Sure. Certain sins mm-hmm. you know, more equal consequences. worse consequences, deeper, harder, you know, more painful consequences. But, sure. yeah, it's like 
okay, parent, why am I surprised when I need to parent? I literally carry the title parent. It is my function. Uh-huh. I should rejoice, <laughs> mm-hmm. honestly, because I made this choice. I made this choice to have kids and be a parent. I should rejoice in the opportunity to fulfill the calling on my life to parent, right? Mm-hmm. But how often, honestly, how often as a parent mm-hmm. do we take a step back and be like, yeah. what an amazing opportunity. I get to go parent. My you know, my kid just smacked my other kid in the face. Let's Here do it, go. you know? Yeah. But honestly, that... For me, I try to challenge myself and challenge my wife. Like, smile, like, relax. It's okay. Smile, and let's let's enter this conflict with the positive attitude that we've got an opportunity. Um, how does you have an opportunity to show Christ in every conflict? And speaking parenthood specifically, running with that same mm-hmm. illustration, right? When your kids get in a fight or they do something, you have an opportunity to show Christ, or you have an opportunity to show humanity. Mm-hmm. And the depravity of humanity. Which one do you want to put on display? Sure. I'm yeah. like, as a parent, well, that's convicting. I would much rather put on display Christ and let him do his thing than put on my human depravity on display and just be like, we're terrible people. Here you go, mm-hmm. kids. It's mm-hmm. like, no, I want them to see God in, yeah. in as much as, as I can. But sure. yeah, that thought rolls through my head. People are always going to make bad choices. You know, Paul, Paul will say, hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. um again that person says something mean well they you know they probably got yelled at or they probably don't have a great home life yeah but that's no excuse right that's mm-hmm. what i hear it's like you're right it's no excuse but it is a reason and mm-hmm. the reason should matter sure right if ben says something mean to me i should at least respect and love him enough to give him some benefit of the doubt of there's probably a reason because mm-hmm. that's not usually ben mm-hmm. you know Rather than just flipping a switch and be like, there's no excuse for treating me that way. Mm-hmm. Just throw down, let's like, go right oh. now. <laughs> and as I point at you, you immediately get defensive, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but this is a good segue, honestly, um, because this is always a mind that's rattled through my head, is faith and your profession. Where mm-hmm. do you see those intersect? Um, as a Christ follower, as a born-again Christian who declares Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, your King, um, active in the church um, and preaching love, uh, love, loving God, loving others, caring for one another, things like that. Where do you see that intersect with your counseling? Yeah, good question. Um, I, there are two populations that I, I really enjoy working with, um, and that is Christians mm-hmm. that... Um, uh, are struggling with like theological issues, you know, like distorted thoughts about themselves, shame, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, maybe even encountered some like spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. bad experiences at church, that kind of yep. stuff. I I love working with them. Um, and then the other group is non Christians. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoy. So you mean with everyone? Them. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So non Christians, um, and that that's part of my. Uh, that's a big part of why I'm not labeled as a Christian counselor. Yeah, right. Um, Because they don't, people may not know what that means. You know, it may, it may mean to them that I'm I'm not, I didn't go to school. Well, this would shock you maybe, but I'm glad that you're not listed that way. Sure. Because then I can really refer anyone to you. Sure. Like if you were strictly a Christian counselor, Mm -hmm. different people I come in contact with that I would want to refer to you, I, I like, they wouldn't go. Right. 
right? right. Or I wouldn't be able to, you know? Sure. So, sorry, a little aside there. No, yeah, yeah. I love that, honestly. Yeah, and, and there are um, exclusively Christian counselors, mm-hmm. and um, and they get non-Christians as well, and, and they're doing great. Um, mm-hmm. It really just depends on what your calling is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not dogging on Christian no. counselors out there. No, there's, Don't a, there's a place for it, 100%. <laughs> right. Um, but I really enjoy the aspect of getting uh, unchurched, um, atheists, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really interesting people that come through my door. Um, and so what happens then is I get a chance to sow seeds of the gospel mm-hmm. without necessarily even proclaiming it as the gospel. Yeah. Um, but what they're experiencing is um, you know, an unconditional love from me. Yeah. Um, support, um, thoughtfulness, like really considering their story and, and caring. Yeah. Um, Not facing judgment. Right, right. Willing to hear them out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot, I've encountered a lot of people that are very resistant to the mm-hmm. church and to Christ. Yeah. Um, I just don't think they've experienced uh, Christ. Yeah. Uh, I think they've experienced like, Christ flavored things or like, mm-hmm. you know, things done thing. in the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. Or character. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so this is an opportunity um, to give them exposure to Christianity, to Jesus, um, in a uh, very non judgmental environment. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, I mean, basically all my clients know that I'm a Christian and yeah. that I'm a pastor. Um, but they they don't feel judged by me because that's not the hat that I'm wearing right. there. I'm not their pastor. Uh, they're not believers where I have to call them out, point out point out in scripture where they're where they're off. You know, um, I would say actually at church, I'm meaner. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, but that's with my own brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know, um, well, their expectation is supposed to be higher. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it truly is. And, and I, I actually believe, you know, based on Scripture, that we are to be uh, sharpening each other yeah. more. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a little more rod, like yep. whacking each other a little bit. Yep. Again, yep. with grace and love. But yep. um, But anyways, uh, I just really enjoy um, getting this exposure to so many different people mm. and getting the seeds of the gospel out there. Yeah. Um, I haven't had uh, any conversions um, in counseling. Um, but there are some people that I feel, um, like pretty convinced that they're going to get there at mm-hmm. some point. Grew a strong sensitivity to like someone's going to water. God, God causes the growth. Someone's yeah, going to harvest, but, yeah. um, uh, it just feels like, like step one for some, a lot of these yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about that. I feel, um, again, energized, uh, by that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the things that I'm sure you employ is the fact that there's the awesome thing about biblical truth is you don't have to talk in a biblical way Christianese. to convey <laughs> truth, right? Mm-hmm. Truth is truth. Right. And so um, I think, you know, you and I get caught up in, in the, the context of church talking a lot of Christianese that mm-hmm. would not fly mm-hmm. in your yeah. practice if you were sitting there. And, and you know, obviously you, you've experienced that in, in your church as well. But mm-hmm. but I'm sure that it's just it's just a simple way of saying, you know, you got the whole book of Proverbs, and so much of that is just straight up good, wise thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? right. And uh, and you don't have to quote scripture. You can just say, "Hey, I think it'd be really right, wise if you step back from this particular relationship because right. I think this person is toxic to you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's straight out of scripture. Right. right. 
you know and but you don't have to i mean that's the beauty of embodying god's truth and and, uh, in your mind and how you think and and just conveying that so Mm -hmm. sure it's really really good yeah Yeah. i appreciate you answering that i just did it always fascinates me. I love, I love hearing because I, I truly believe. I mean, Romans twelve talks about offering your your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? Doing, offering everything that you do as an act of worship to God, right? And so, whether you're a rancher, a farmer, an oil worker, a counselor, a pastor, like there's no there's no uh, there's no profession that has a monopoly on hmm. serving God. Do you know you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people look at a pastor and be like, "Oh, you're serving God." I'm like, "Are you a grocer at a grocery store?" Yeah, serve God. Mm-hmm. Well, how can I do that? You know, it came up last night. It Jazz, did. I yep. love Jazz's. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions the youth had is, "Is you know how can I strengthen my faith?" Um, and it's like worshiping God by what He's gifted you with. And so she was talking to one girl, like, "You paint nails really good. Hmm. Worship God." with painting nails. Yeah. She's like, there's a lot of these probably elderly ladies that their hand shakes too much. They can't paint their nails. Go, go and paint their nails and make their day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that, your motivation, make it to worship God, to, to use what he's given you and to go love on the people he's created. Right. I'm like, what an amazing picture. And so that's why I just, I always love asking that question of mm-hmm. in what you do, how do you see God interwoven in that and your faith and, and, in serving him so yeah i really yeah. appreciate that i think it's a beautiful thing that we miss so easily and so we go worship worship pastor worship pastor right come and sing that's worship it's mm-hmm. like no man that's like such a sliver yep. of the pie or i'm sitting in my car and i'm listening to a christian radio station now now i'm worshiping mm-hmm. it's like that's not biblical at all if that's the only time you worship like there's a lot at your disposal to worship God with beyond music, right? And so it's a great medium. I love music to death, and doing it in a group is even better. Um, But, yeah, so how do you you worship God in in all that you do? So So um, here's here's another question. Do you you have any, um, let's just say, disciplines or techniques mm. that you suggest to your clients that they do as a part of their either daily or weekly routine that is beneficial to their mental health. That would actually be beneficial to a, a majority of people. Like you said, yeah, there's, anybody. A, there's a, like a, like there's a rhythm to, you see this pattern. And so there's some diagnosis to that pattern and mm. also solutions to that pattern. Yeah. You know, um, is that kind of what you're going after? Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I think one of the things, so one of the things that was talked about last night is, you know, it was brought up as an example is, is, spiritual disciplines you know we want yeah. to be engaging in scripture and, and, and prayer mm-hmm. and those kind of things and and the example is that you know we all know that we probably should be physically active and exercising at least sometime during the week right. you know as a part of a discipline of taking care of our bodies is, is to exercise and, and, well, that's and a eat right right it's, it's a good thing yeah. right We're bodies take, temple right exactly mm-hmm. uh in the same way we we need to be taking care of our minds and how we think mm-hmm. as well so that's the angle i was yeah. going at is that do you have anything that you suggest to your clients mm-hmm. to say, hey, I, I really need you guys to start doing this as a part of your routine, whether that's weekly mm-hmm. or daily, that's beneficial for you and sure. what you deal with? Yeah. Um, so typically um, therapists that do homework or give homework right. are uh, the cognitive behavioral therapists. And okay. I do some of that. Okay. Um, the majority of like therapy that I do is called psychodynamic um, as well as like motivational interviewing. 
What's, what's um, the definition of psychodynamic? Psychodynamic uh, stems from psychoanalysis, which okay. a lot of Christians typically have a problem with because mm-hmm. that's Freud. Okay. Um, but this is like the great great grandchild of his yeah, okay. of his stuff. Um, a deep descendant. This, yeah. So um, a lot of the weird things have been kind of you know pruned um, right. out. But essentially, the idea behind psychodynamic is that what causes change for people is insight. And so through conversation, through um, uh, talking deeply through things, mm-hmm. yeah. um, they come to these like realizations or conclusions that almost like have this like cathartic therapeutic effect where then now they, they just they change from yeah. that from that experience. That, that awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just opens up more awareness of like, oh, I get it now. Um, and then it kind of takes either the, the depression out of it or the anxiety out. And then they're just, like, loosened up more, you yeah. know. Um, so that that's typically what I shoot for. There's a couple other therapy models, like EMDR is really good for trauma. Um, and then motivational interviewing is, like, it's like a, it's kind of like client-centered or Rogerian, Carl Rogers, that kind of thing. Um, only it's like a CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral, combined with Rogers. Um, it's a it's a good therapy model, um, but anyways, I I don't tend to give very much uh, homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'll get like type A personalities that um, want really want homework. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what should I be working on? What give book me should I read? Do 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 yeah. do. I, like yeah. I I don't know. Uh, there's a honest, go go Google a, a book. To me. What's that? <laughs> I'd want a task. Oh, would you? Yeah. yeah I... Or the cheapskate that doesn't want to visit you that much, and so oh, they yeah. want to save some oh, money. Is there a book that like, just can I can read what you're about to say? Yeah. So yeah, again, it's like um, like if I'm the masseuse um, and they're asking like, how should I massage myself this week? You know, yeah. on my shoulder. As like you, you almost can't, but mm-hmm. um, but you can. Like, there's things you can do that would be good for your shoulders and things right. like that. But um, however, I do have things that um, I tend to repeat over and over. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say three things. Um, the first thing is uh, something we call mindfulness, which um, another word for it is like meditation. Now, mm-hmm. uh, that that could that's also a big buzzword for Christians right. because uh, we tend Got to think a bunch of extra information e- well, attached to it. Yeah, and Eastern mysticism yeah. employs meditation a lot, right. and you have a bunch of people in Hollywood uh, doing some kind of weird yeah. faux version of Buddhism or, or right. Hinduism or whatever. Um, Meditation is actually a very biblical concept. It's yeah. a practice that I believe all religions have employed yeah. um, because it's so useful. Yeah. Um, so what I mean by mindfulness is um, like going back to that concept of floating, like mm-hmm. where you're just kind of not really doing anything, but you're just kind of like bouncing from craving to craving. Like that is the opposite of mindfulness. Right. Uh, mindfulness is being intentional and purposeful, right. but practicing it, uh, means that you're actually uh, clearing out distractions and you're bringing as if your brain was a was a camera you're mm. zooming in the camera on the one thing that you want to focus on the problem we have with eastern mysticism and all those kind of things is that they're zooming in on idols or themselves or or yeah. something else that's not worth zooming in on or not going to be beneficial to them so when we zoom in on a biblical concept or on God Himself or you know His nature or or something that we um, 
like an untruth that we've been believing or something. When mm. we zoom in on those kind of things, there's a there's more attention to detail. There's more insight that can happen. Again, that's the psychodynamic piece mm-hmm. is that I'm looking for them to have, find insight. And that comes through deep meditation um, and focused thinking. Yeah. Um, because we have so many distractions, so many noises, there's so many highs that we can chase, so many things competing for our attention. Meditation and mindfulness is basically non-existent. Mm. In fact, when I when I start helping people or teaching them how to do it, um, they're they're always weirded out at first, like this is stupid. Uh, but then it always seems well, not always, but oftentimes, you'll you'll um, a client will be like, oh oh my word. Like, whoa, what just happened? Like, mm-hmm. they've never done it before. Right. Um, and so in some ways, it's like a red pill, blue pill. Like, they, mm-hmm. like wow, I, I, wow, you know, I yeah. didn't know. Um, and so I would actually encourage quite a, you know, all my clients to, to start doing more mindfulness. Um, yeah. Whether it's just focusing in on your breathing or, um, like, just the concept that every breath I take, there's oxygen molecules going in my lungs, and then it converts somehow into my bloodstream and it takes it to all the cells in my body and then my cells like throw up carbon dioxide goes back to my lungs and i breathe it out yeah right. like if you actually stop to think about each breath like that's zooming in and it helps close. you calm down it helps it does take the focus off stress and things like that yeah. right, right right um so it is it is a, a slowing down type thing and there mm-hmm. are benefits to mindfulness like there's mindfulness eating where you do that with like you pick up the orange you look at it, you think about the feel of it. I mean, this sounds kind of the silly. The smell of it. The smell, yeah, and you touch yeah. it to your tongue. What is the texture like? And then you put it Experience in. Experience your food. Yeah, <laughs> right. But you eat so much slower. Right. And it's actually more satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then you actually eat less. And it's actually, a, that's way better diet plan than like counting carbs, in my yeah. opinion. You know, Which ends up becoming more stressful because now Yo, you're focused on this horribly number. Horribly stressful. I can't do it. I can't. I get this little tiny square of food. Yeah, Like right. this nightmare. Um, yeah. Anyways, all that said, I don't do mindfulness eating anytime. I always scarf it down. Um, but You're it's a nice you idea. You get a big T-bone steak in front of you and you yeah. just like one sliver and that's it. I'm done because yeah. you took 10 minutes analyzing Just to the savor slice. the fat on the edge. That's right. Yeah. Um, so that's one, one thing. That's um, really good. Let's see. Um, also, really quick before you move on, I'm glad sure. that you brought that up because you're right. Meditation is kind of a buzzword. Like I said, mm-hmm. it has a lot of this other stuff attached to it. When I mean, the Bible speaks on meditating on God's word, right? Mm-hmm. That idea of where you're you're pushing out all these other things that are you're distracting focusing. you, and you're like you said, zooming in yeah. mm-hmm. and going, "This is the most important thing right now," yeah. and just really letting it penetrate your soul that that's mm-hmm. what's going through my head is allowing like allowing that food that smell to penetrate your being like mm-hmm. let it consume for a moment of just right so meditate on god's word letting it consume your mind consume your your feelings mm-hmm. um consume your senses like this is god mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's well that i like how you describe that oh, nice. incredibly yeah. powerful so the other thing about that too is that there's so meditation, it, I agree. There, there's there's culturally a, you know, in certain certain parts of uh, the Christian walk where where that's an immediate knee jerk reaction. Yeah. Well, that's bad, but you got to understand that that uh, the the enemy, let's just say, yeah. is very good at taking things that are very powerful in the kingdom and in in a Christian's life 
and twisting it for his own use yeah. and repurposing it for right. a counterfeit version right. in other right. in other venues. And so so anytime you see something that's that's obviously, you know, you can see where, where the enemy's working and, and using stuff. Usually if you think about it, it's a counterfeit version of something yeah. that's pure and true and good and honest that we need to be engaged in. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes uh, it's just easier to be knee-jerk reaction and, and reject that kind of stuff. And and unfortunately, I think there's, you know, I, I certainly could practice mindfulness a heck of a lot more yeah. than I do. Sure. Yeah. And, and me so, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah um, the other two. I'm, I'm, oh, sure. I'm on the edge of my seat Oh, now. boy. Um, if I can remember them. Um, let's see. Well, so one of the things I was going to ask you in sure. relation to that, and maybe this will tie into something to jog your memory, but okay. gratefulness and thankfulness, how much does that impact oh, yeah. a, a person's general, you know, state of mind and, and how they're viewing life and their own attitude? And, yes, you know. it does a lot. I have a little sticky note. No joke, I have a little sticky note. Paul brings it up in his mm-hmm. sermon somehow. Yeah. Random times he pulls it in. But um, what if we only had tomorrow what we were thankful for today? Hmm. Oh, wow. So, like, I only get to carry with me tomorrow what mm-hmm. I was thankful for today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like, for, so I just read that somewhere. I'm like, that's really good. So I put it on a sticky note, I put it up. It's in my office right now. And that was, that was probably five years ago. It was mm-hmm. back when my office was right here, uh-huh. actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had it up on the wall, and he walked in and he saw it. He was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I've heard him repeat it several mm-hmm. different times. And just when he was talking, it jogged my memory. Like, I see that sometimes while I sit in my office. I'm like, Man, I haven't really been thankful mm-hmm. recently, mm-hmm. and I, I should, because I think it does. I think it completely changes your perspective from this victim syndrome to, um, you know, others-focused rather mm-hmm. than me-focused. Right. Sorry, which, he which, asked you that question. No, that's all right. <laughs> that's really good. Um, and and being others-focused is, is one of the treatments uh, that Alfred Adler uh, mm-hmm. came up with. He called it Gemeinschaftsgefühl. Oh yeah, it's a German word. You guys, yeah, Expressen yeah. wenig Deutsch. Yeah. Oh no, I don't know. <laughs> nein, nein, nicht, nicht. Uh, nicht yeah. uh, um, But yeah, but basically, you call it social interest. And um, I actually really find Adler interesting because um, he he believed what was wrong with people was inferiority, like a deep, mm. deep mm. feeling that you're not There's worthy. Something wrong. Yeah, um, which I I really feel like. Stems from Genesis three, um, mm-hmm. just that shame. So we hide, yeah, uh, and it just kind of got passed on. Um, I don't think that's only our problems, yeah. but that's certainly a problem. At the root, yeah. And his his treatment, what he believed helped people change or get out of that, was actually getting involved in philanthropy or um, getting involved in the community, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as it gets you off of yourself and more focused on others. Um, I was gonna say. Um, Boy, my th- I'm, I must be tired. Like, my thoughts good. are coming out. Yeah. Um, but exercise is actually a very good right. thing for depression, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, depression, like, makes you lethargic and tired, and so you don't feel like exercise, but it, it is one of the best <laughs> treatments for pulling yourself out of it. Um, it's like almost a lie. Like, your body's telling you that exercise is going to make you more tired, so I already feel tired, so why would I exercise? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to feel worse when the reality is exercise actually invigorates you, brings energy into your life. Sure. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, right. I mean, it has a chemical change yeah. inside of you. So I don't, I don't know how much this is, I guess, clinically accurate, but I heard a pastor, and I, I would, it was catching, I like it, is he said, 
you know, emotion, especially for us up in Eastern Montana, where, you know, we don't necessarily aware, yeah, aware of emotions, yeah. honestly. Eastern if you Montana, love Come it. to an evangelical mm-hmm. church, you know what I mean? Anyways, um, mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, what what he said is, is that we have to move to engage in emotion. If, if you're mm-hmm. not moving, you're not, you shouldn't expect that, we shouldn't be waiting for us to feel like something before mm-hmm. we do something. You need to do something to engage your emotion. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I thought was interesting, I don't know if that ties in mm-hmm. at all. But. Yeah, Neil Anderson has a quote. Um, it's, uh, we don't feel our way into the right actions. Mm-hmm. We act our way into the right, the right feelings. feelings. Right. 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 Wow. That's yeah. really That's good. Killer. So motion yeah. or movement That's comes first. Really good. The feelings come later. Yeah, mm-hmm. speaks directly to it. Yep. We act our way, say that, act our way into the right feelings. Yeah. Yeah, we don't feel our way into the right actions, yeah. which w- if you're depressed, you're feeling like not yeah. exercising. Right, right. Exactly. We, we act our way into the right feelings. Wow, yeah. that's good. That is deep. Uh, Spencer, you better clip. make sure that one that one gets in a clip for the Slow for it the down, future. too. Make a slow motion. <laughs> that's right. And uh, if you could get it while I'm flexing. Oh, there, there you go. go. Uh, yes. That'd be really cool. And <laughs> oh, if you by get... the way, uh, our, our producer is here. If you give a hand to the camera yeah, there, yeah. Spencer. Yeah, thank you for doing that. And if you could take down the shine from <laughs> my yeah. head, that'd be great, too. Put a little... <laughs> A little hair up there. Uh, adjust the color spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I think it's Psalm 72, uh, where, where the psalmist mm-hmm. is complaining about how the wicked are thriving. They're right. He's killing it. Uh, why, why are they so wealthy? Yeah. doesn't seem like they get caught for anything. Uh, they, they prey on the innocent. Yep. And nobody seems to notice. Um, but then there's this, uh, this transition in the psalm and, and, but when I went into your sanctuary, uh, essentially he's reminded, and his in, in through his prayer he, his perception of reality changes, right? And he realizes that in the end the wicked are like chaff and yep. they they blow away. They have a just a moment in time where that this this exists, and then justice basically, yeah, always Prevails. comes through, right? Yeah. Um, but it was when he was in the sanctuary meditating focused in that this realization came through the mm. prayer Inside. and then mm-hmm. essentially a sense of gratitude came over right. that there is justice mm-hmm. and so gratitude is a perception change mm-hmm. and without it um, you can be stuck in an anxious or depressed or angry perception for a long time and so to answer your question about gratitude I, I think it's crucial um, and honestly, I, I, I don't, I haven't been tracking much with like <laughs> modern, you know, psychology updates and stuff. Sure. Probably shouldn't admit that on air. <laughs> um, but uh, too busy working. Yeah, yeah, too busy. Changing um, lives. Right? Mm-hmm. But I, I do seem to remember that there's been more talk about how effective gratitude is mm-hmm. for mental yeah. health. The other thing I would say is that um, for a while, uh, there wasn't much interest in forgiveness among the psychological mm. community. But that also has has shown up as something that's actually very effective and sure, and not something like this person that raped you um, deserves your forgiveness. That's not that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, forgiveness is for the it's for the client right. for you to be free yeah. from uh, the resentment and bitterness because right. basically that event or whatever the thing 100%. you need to forgive is still living. It's still yeah. being fed and nurtured. Uh, so we're trying to move past it, move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, gratitude, forgiveness. Um, however, forgiveness is a very tricky one to counsel someone through. You can't uh, shoehorn it 
and you mm-hmm. can't um, push it too hard. Um, and sometimes it almost sounds like you're um, letting the, the abuser go free. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So it is definitely something that... Let him off the hook. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, it's something that the client has to like step forward towards it yeah. um, rather than you shove him into it. But mm. um, let's see. What were my other things? Um, so shame. Um, shame's a real difficult one to deal with. One of the most frustrating things I think that I that I work mm. with is is helping people through shame. Um, very frustrating. Mm. Um, just it it's irrational, um, especially when you have typically victims of like sexual abuse and stuff like mm-hmm. that have tons of shame. Yeah. Um, and it's it just doesn't make any sense. Not simply that it had it, it happened to them, so they want people to know, but like they take responsibility. Yeah, they feel like they, it was their fault. Their right? fault, right? And and the the explanation mm-hmm. behind that is that uh, the brain has a really hard time making sense of abuse and trauma, uh, and mm-hmm. it needs to make sense. So what it does is actually fills in the gaps. And either you're going to blame other people or you're going to blame yourself. Well, nice people tend to blame themselves. Yeah. Uh, and that the brain is somewhat satisfied with that answer because it needs to have an answer. Mm. Um, it's interesting how you put that. But it's not true. Yeah. And so then, the equal sign can't just be left void. Right. Something no, that's, has to exist on the other side. That's more distressing to have an wow. empty wow. explanation. Wow. And so they fill in the gaps with it must be my fault. It must be because I'm I'm garbage or a cockroach or something. That's crazy. So the the it's almost like the choice is leaving it blank. And you're mm-hmm. saying that's more painful yeah. than than putting yourself through more Absolutely. trauma Absolutely. of self-shame and self-ridicule and all these other things. Right. The relief wow. that comes from shame is that there's some kind of control yeah. or um, explanation. Like I can make sense of this world again. You know? um, hmm. So getting them to basically let go of the crutch of shame mm-hmm. uh, and then cling to something else is, is quite a process. Yeah. Um, I don't know how effective like the I am statements are, uh, but sometimes I'll have someone uh, remind them of who they are in Christ. If sure. they're not Christian, I'll have them um, make Do up some their kind own, of, yeah. you know, something, something that's still true. Positive. Um, Self-affirmation type right. stuff, right? Yeah. Right. But. Accountability, I'm sure, helps in that too. Like if someone in their life can help affirm like what what they're saying in your sessions. Do you ever have interaction with that? You know, like, like I look at like addictions in general and just the power of accountability where, where there's somebody or, or a group of people walking alongside that person, helping keep them on the right track of, mm-hmm. of like, does that ever? Uh, I mean, definitely in the, the, the recovery world yeah. of drugs and alcohol. Um, it's very community focused. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's like they all take on the the addiction as a team yeah, uh, right. by committee. Um, and so that's really helpful. Um, there was a study done. It's been a long time since I looked at it, but it was in grad school. And they basically researched uh, what makes people change. Hmm. Um, and I think, how did that break down? Uh, like 15 to 20% of cases where people changed. It was based on just did they have a good support network? Yeah. That's it. Um, were there people that loved them, that were pulling for them, that were there to help, uh, provide them with resources, encouragement, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. That's big for 
changing yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, another 20% was um, basically the, 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 the connection that they had with their counselor. Was mm-hmm. it, did they feel like the counselor cared about them? Uh, it wasn't even whether the counselor was any good. Like, right. did it just, was it a good connection? Right, yeah. Um, which usually means they're a good counselor if they right. can establish a good connection. But um, another piece was, um, boy, I'm drawing a blank. Let's see, community support. Um, I can't remember the next one, but you could probably Google it. But the last one I think is most interesting. I think it was it was just a hair smaller, like 15%. Mm-hmm. Um was hope like if they feel no some way. kind of hope then like i can get there one of the biblical thing right like that's at the crux of yeah. faith in christ is the hope that we have in christ wow that's yeah that's really um cool. and, i mean so that's that's it's strange that that's um mm-hmm. an actual thing that that shifts can can shift so much yeah um but wherever they get that hope from, mm-hmm. um, obviously we have a renewable resource in yeah. Christ. Um, there are other sources for hope, you know, short-term mm-hmm. hope yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. So we talked about things that we can be doing both for ourselves and helping remind people around us. Mindfulness is a big one. Mm-hmm. Z- zeroing in, zooming in on things. Gratitude and thankfulness. What mm-hmm. were a couple of the other ones? Um, getting moving, like yeah, uh, getting taking action. Exercise, thank right. you, exercise. Or, but even really just taking one. action to, or, yeah, to get yourself uh, to feel. What was the quote? Can, yeah, yeah, Neil remember? Anderson. Yeah. If you guys want really amazing pastoral counseling books, mm-hmm. Neil Anderson is just top, incredible. Top shelf. Yeah, top shelf. Yeah. He's, um, he's kind of, he's like a Bapticostal. So he's like a, <laughs> a Baptist with a charismatic hybrid. Yeah. And so he's got all these demon stories in his books where he's counseling <laughs> and like, Casting demons out. Yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy, but um, unbelievable uh, work he's done. And mm. his books are so interesting. But mm. yeah, he's got quotes left and right that are yeah. just killer, you know. But um, yeah, keep going with your summary, though. No, I was, I was asking, asking you for more. Yeah, what's, uh, what else have I There's said? a couple more things there, I feel like. But well, we talked about accountability. Accountability. And, I mean, yeah. I, I think. And hope. With the right person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think can, can be good. Uh, yeah. We got to be a little careful not to open ourselves up to Right additional sure. abuse. Right? Well, and that's always that. the question. Anyone that's con- like concerned, you know, empathetic, compassionate, mm-hmm. looks at our, our society, our community right now, just like you said, the, the oil slowing way down, the, the COVID virus running through, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of wreckage mm-hmm. behind what, like, I've been asked that by the people. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Right? And so that, I appreciate you going through those things, you asking them mm-hmm. that question because... Yeah. I think sometimes you the 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 feeling of helplessness almost becomes more crippling for mm-hmm. for people than anything else because you feel you feel like you can't do anything to help, sure. and so then you end up doing nothing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and like I said, hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. and so healthy people help healthy people be right. healthy, right? Mm-hmm. They help those hurt people yeah. out of that out of that pit. And, it's and hard. It's hard to help someone who's hurt or hurting out of a pit if you yourself are stuck way down that pit. You know, and that's so one of the things you mentioned is yourself. that taking your focus off yourself and and you know yeah and being in a place where you're going to serve and and uplift somebody else. That's yeah. gonna that's gonna help pull you out of the, the pit as well. So. Well, right, and I can testify to exercise. So I at one point I was 305 pounds, hmm. overweight, and 
felt felt disgusting, right? Mm-hmm. And I lost lost sixty pounds and wow. felt a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, you know, my my uh, my hope is to drop more, mm-hmm. um, but like I notice a huge difference, not just in how I feel physically, but mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. yeah. of just some of the freedom I felt in that. Um, and it's not like huge epiphanies or anything like that. It's just, mm-hmm. um, just more enjoyment, more, so more, at, more at peace as well. You mm-hmm. know, like exercise is no small thing. You know, Paul, Paul could eat pretty much whatever yeah, he wanted. He'd, he'd still could, yeah, be thin, exactly. but he wouldn't necessarily be fit. And right. You know, Paul Turner, senior pastor, he mm-hmm. bikes all over the place. I don't know if you saw him. You're, you're not on Facebook, um, but he did a, a fundraiser um, where he mm-hmm. biked, I think, 250 miles in a month. A lot. I think it was 250. More than I did. He biked 250 miles in the month mm-hmm. month of April, um, which is just, yeah, a lot um, to raise money for veterans, if, right. if I yep. remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, cool. so, but he practices, you know, exercise. And when I first came here, he preached that to me all the time. You, you got to exercise. You got to exercise. And I'm a decently active person, but I always knew I could do more. And then mm-hmm. started having kids and things like that. And I noticed I, could, I literally gained 10 pounds per kid. Mm-hmm. So I came here at about 260, and I we had four kids, basically. Mm-hmm. And with each kid, I gained like another 10 pounds. So That's sympathy way, right? Right. That's yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, stress, busyness, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and then letting that be excuses. So, yeah, just exercise. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because mm-hmm. that is, I think, one of those things that, like, I battle too of yeah. I'm already tired. Exercise is going to make me more tired, so why would I exercise? Mm-hmm. Which is a complete lie. Yeah. It's not true at all. Yet, it's the truth we choose to believe. Well, and you don't, not. and you don't have to like bear down and do an hour of exercise every day. No, right. no, it doesn't take that much to, to cut yourself some to, slack yeah, and do fifteen you. minutes of some cardio. Go, yeah, do some you know, major. Go walk with stuff. your family. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So um, that's good. Right on. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on mm-hmm. this thing and yeah. and uh, I got one more your, thing. Oh, okay. One more bonus footage. Oh, I love okay. this. Okay. Hit um. It. So my uh, the quote that I have on my business cards and my website yes. is um, yes. Uh, the best way out is always through. And that's a Robert Frost uh, quote, which he's, you know, I don't know how he's doing with mm-hmm. the Lord. Um, well, he's dead now, so yeah. uh, it's over. Um, <laughs> anyways. We don't know how it ended, though. We don't so, know how it ended, yeah. so I hope he's doing well. Um, yep. But anyways, uh, I like that quote, mm-hmm. um, especially for Easter Montana. Uh, I'm blown away by how much resilience people have. Mm-hmm. I've been through a lot of difficult things. And they just limp along, like they mm-hmm. just push through. Um, but if if people want to actually feel better and uh, grow, heal, grow, mm-hmm. those kind of things, they have to face and go through. You mean there's no shortcut? We can't just skip it. It really just seems like they, yeah, they they self medicate through distraction, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Right. And and I know there's a lot of Christians that do that. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to accuse them of like uh, sinning or something, right. but I do think that they could be experiencing life more abundantly. Yeah, um, if they would go through and press through. Um, James one speaks to that directly. Sure, take pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know it's the testing of your faith that develops perseverance. I mean, mm-hmm. right? You can't develop perseverance unless you push through. Right, and push right. into that that trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, that would be my encouragement to those viewing or listening. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are things that um, mm-hmm. you know happened in childhood or uh, stuff that you just really try to avoid talking about or thinking about, um, there are ways to feel better. Um, and mm-hmm. um, you don't have. I'm not trying to drum up business for myself. I'm already full anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, dropping knowledge. If if you want to. Um, do something about it. A, a counseling is, is a great tool for 100%. that, uh, to get that going. And to, you'll have someone to walk through that with you. Um, so that would be my encouragement for you. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that's literally what's on my mind. This is why we invited you on here is, uh, you know, I think uh, counseling always has this stigma attached to mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. thankfully, I feel like our society is starting to move sure. a little bit away from that, that sure. Uh, you know, definitely when I was younger, you didn't tell people you went to a counselor. Mm-hmm. That means you're weak or that means you're not sufficient or you got issues, sure. right? When sure. the reality is, um, like a different mentor of mine, um, regularly on an annual basis, he'll go see a counselor, mm-hmm. um, two or three times a week for a month every year. Mm-hmm. You know, just that it's just part of his yearly rhythm. Mm-hmm. to be healthy, to weed through maybe some resentment things or things maybe he's holding on to or bitterness or whatever. Sure. Um, repressed things that maybe are lingering, whatever, and have mm-hmm. a professional dig some of that stuff out intentionally sure. and work through it, like you said. Um, so and, and it might feel like going to the dentist. Right. Know, but, you know. Getting a tooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or getting the, you know, the the semi-annual flossing right. you know, where they shred your gums. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty gentle uh, yeah. on the on the yeah. counseling flossing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Water pick. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's an incredibly healthy thing. And, and mm-hmm. that, again, that's why Ben and I thought we wanted you on here because yeah. we want everyone to know, like you said, sure. listening, watching, that uh, counseling is for everybody. Mm-hmm. We all have issues and things that we need to work through and deal with. Um, and so I really honestly cherish your time oh, of good. being on this and being with us and it's good to be here. sharing your life, sharing mm-hmm. what God's doing. And, um, obviously we, we want you to continue to have success and continue to see God bring victory, um, through your, not only your work, but your ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, uh, yeah, if you, if anyone listening, watching needs counseling help, uh, I highly recommend Rob Schwab. Um, and I've referred many to you and I will continue, oh, can continue to do so. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Ben, if you had anything last, well, I, last final thoughts you know, before I, we wrap up. I think this was super interesting. It was educational for me mm-hmm. and, um, in, in some ways inspiring, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about all the things that I, I want to change now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> about my lifestyle, but, yeah. uh, I, I will say that I, w- I would expect that you're going to get another invite or two from us. So over the yeah. next, you know period of time we'd love to talk to you about maybe some other facets of what you do and obviously you do a lot of relationship type uh Mm -hmm. counseling as well we really didn't dive into a lot of that too much so um i think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit yet to be talked about so 100 yeah so great right on well hey everybody thank you for joining us for episode three of season two onward and upward podcast and we'll catch you next time